Welcome to the Kingstonist Podcast, a daily look at news, sports, and all things Kingston. Brought to you by Taylor Audubon. Well, we got all these here trucks for all you pickup drivers that want to take it down the road. With the family or alone Not by the hills down in the valley Ah, you know just what I mean All you pickup lovers Taylor Auto Mall's got you covered Mayor Brian Patterson, welcome back to Venture Club. Uh, it's uh, great to have you back. It's we, it's been since uh, before the summer, really since before the Canada Day weekend that we had you in here. I know. Well, you know, it's great to be back. Uh, <laughs> certainly, it's a it's a lot of fun, but it's it's amazing how fast the summer went. Uh, there is just a lot of stuff that that went on. It just seems to have gone in the blink of the eye, and now we're back in the fall, and things are running on all cylinders right now. There's all kinds of stuff happening sure. around uh, City Hall and around the community. So. Well, uh, despite the fact that the council was on a sort of a summer schedule, there was still a lot of a lot of uh, issues that came up. A lot of things happening in the city uh, this <laughs> summer in terms of uh, politics. There's honestly, I, I I tell people this all the time. There's never a dull moment in this job, even if we're not doing a council meeting. There's always stuff that's happening and things that sometimes you need to respond to, uh, things you need to keep abreast of. And so, you know what, I think in a city this size, you know, we're, we're growing, we're on the move. There's always something going on. Yeah. And a lot of the times it's positive, sometimes not so positive, but you know, you just got to roll with it best you can. Well, my first question for you is <laughs> that, uh, and I'm a, I'm a bit of a boat nerd, used to be in the boat business and then, and cruising has become, uh, commercial cruising, uh, yeah. has become a big deal on the Great Lakes again, yeah. uh, certainly in the last five years. And uh, there is a, a call for a deep water dock here in Kingston. I, for one, am a big supporter of that. But there are people that aren't uh, that are that uh, don't uh, agree with this uh, uh, concept. What do you say to those people that that uh, that uh, are for? I guess they 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 for environmental reasons they say we should not uh, have a deep water dock here in Kingston. <laughs> Sure. Well, I think that there's probably two main concerns that I've heard on the deep water dock. I mean, obviously the positives are, I think, very clear. It's certainly the the boost to tourism, um, what this could mean putting Kingston on the the radar of what is really the one of the newer frontiers of, of cruising. I, I think one, you know, people question, okay, well, you know, how much money will it cost? And obviously we're gonna have to do our due diligence on that. But but the way I look at it is it's it's not just even just putting a dock in, it's what we can do to the waterfront at the mm -hmm. same time. And both of the locations that we're looking at for a deep water dock, we're talking about locations along the waterfront that are just, you know, they're just not in a great state right now. There's little to no public access there. You know, it needs some TLC. And I mean, these are an opportunities where we could invest in a way that that it would be a portion of the waterfront that isn't even just for the passengers, but it could be for residents, you yes. know, making it walkable and putting like uh, other amenities and features and green space and all kinds of other things we could do to, to add to, to the waterfront. I think on the environmental piece, 
listen, I, I fully understand that we should absolutely have a have a look at that and we can we can see and bring ourselves up to speed about some of the changes that are happening in the cruise ship industry. And what's interesting is we actually had a had a senior staff person that went to uh, to a conference on this where the industry itself is getting together and they are making big changes in terms of their emissions. So they're making big changes in terms of regulations about what kind of fuel that they use now. I think they have pretty aggressive targets to, to, they ever? to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions uh, substantially. Um, so I think that those pieces are important. But the way that I also explain it to people is that, you know what, cruise ships are already on the Great Lakes. Right now they're passing by Kingston. So the emissions are, are there. Uh, so bringing them into Kingston is not going to have an effect on those emissions. But we can actually go one step further and say, well, if they docked here in Kingston, we could actually bring their emissions down. And we could do that because we could we could actually have like services where they could they could plug in. Uh, they'd, they'd have to pay for that, obviously. Yes. But, but then they wouldn't have to run the ships 24 hours a day, which of course is what they usually have to do to have power. And so I think that there's some real... Um, I think there's some environmental advantages to actually engaging with the industry, bringing them in. And so you can hit the tourism, you can absolutely make a positive environmental impact. Uh, you can check all the boxes at the same time. So if you can do that, in my view, that that's a win-win. Well, and staying with, uh, with the, we were talking about a short summer and, and it was because we had an awful spring and the water levels <laughs> on the Great Lakes were at record levels. Yeah. Uh, the city has been given $20.2 million uh, uh, for a shoreline improvement. What, where's that twenty million going to go? Yeah, uh, so certainly that was that was great news. We we got that a couple of weeks ago. There's basically two main things that we're looking at. So the first is we're looking at some shoreline improvements in a number of different locations uh, uh, across the waterfront. So Portsmouth Olympic Harbor, uh, Richardson Beach, up by Doug Fleur Park. There are areas where we can see where our waterfront could be vulnerable, and we want to be proactive, right? So if this is you know, if this is the new era of climate change and we may have to deal with these sorts of water issues more often, we want to be proactive and make sure that we can reinforce now so that we're not losing portions of our waterfront if we do have a really wet spring. The other piece that we're investing in is, is stormwater separation. And so this is a bit technical if you've never understood how it works. But and this has been an issue for forever with us, has it not? Well, it comes with being an old city. Yeah. Right, so the way that they used to do sewers in the old days is basically everything went into one sewer. So that was both your your wastewater, so that's like you know coming from your toilet yep. and your sinks, and then also rainwater would all go into the same pipe. And what would happen is if you have like a really really big rainstorm or a lot of flooding, then basically the pipes basically they run at a capacity, and the only thing you can do at that point is you actually have to discharge it out into the into the lake. Which is, you know, yeah. I mean, at one time that was considered to be acceptable. <laughs> That's clearly not the case now. So what we're doing is we're now separating all those sewers. So you basically have one pipe for the rainwater, one pipe for the wastewater, never the two should meet. And so that way you're never going to have a case where you have to discharge wastewater or sewage into, into the lake. And so the problem is that to do that, you actually have to dig up the street. Now think about this. You have to dig up every street in the downtown. Think about the number of wow. sewer pipes that are involved yeah. there. So that's why it, you can't do it in a year. Yeah, yeah. This is like probably a 40 to 50 year project. So the good thing is that we're past the halfway point and this kind of money is going to help us to accelerate. And so hopefully we'll be able to get there before too long. Uh, David asks, um, sorry, um, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the pulse point app? Has there been a great option for residents, but has not been working for three days, uh, and Kingston fire and rescue is no longer listed. Do you know about that? So I'm honestly not an expert 
on the Pulse Point app. So I probably I probably should punt that one only because I can try to come up with something, but I may not actually be the right answer. Uh, Okay. The city's been working on a housing project on the site of the old uh, Goodwill out at uh, Portsmouth, south side of Princess uh, by Portsmouth. I think it's 316 to 318 Portsmouth, uh, a housing project there. Do you you know about uh, Can you give us an update on what's going on with that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, housing's a priority for the city. I mean, we hear all the time about how people are having a hard time finding a, a an affordable place to live. So we're 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 working really hard uh, to try to get more housing built in general. And the nice thing is, you drive around the city right now, you can spot the number of cranes. There's cranes all over the place, and housing's being built, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've have um, I think there was a something like a four hundred plus inc- percentage increase in the number of building permits this year compared to last year. So we're seeing a big uptake, and so a lot of activities happening. But we also want to make sure that not only are we getting more, you know, seniors housing built and more townhouses and starter homes and condos and, you know, duplexes. Basically, you want every type of housing built. And that has to include what we would consider housing for uh, those that, that otherwise can't afford market rate housing. Right. And that's really that's really important. I mean, sure. housing is one of those those key costs that, that you face. Uh, so one of the projects we've identified is is on this portion of vacant land. It's right across from the the food basics on Princess Street, just a little bit west of the Kingston Center. Great location, center to the city. Uh, It's on a transit route. So that would be a perfect spot for us to be able to to build a lot of new housing. And so we're looking at a pretty substantial development. I think it'd be over 160 apartment units. Uh, And a lot of those would be geared to those with lower incomes. So you you have to, you apply. And so we can adjust the rents based on what people can pay. And so, you know, obviously there's still going to be lots of work to be done, but, um, but council's made it a priority. We've, we've dedicated $18 million uh, to be able to invest into housing that can be offered at below market rates. So I think that that's an important step. Not to say it's not the only thing that we're going to do, um, but that uh, that's process is starting. And so hopefully uh, we'll be able to get shovels in the ground before too long. Well, sticking with housing, uh, there were a couple of LPAT decisions this summer that came down. <laughs> yeah. uh, one with the Homestead uh, Project downtown. Yep. Can you give us an update on what's uh, what what is wh- where does that project stand with, sure. with the city? Sure. So I'll be completely frank. I was disappointed in, yep. in that yep. decision. Uh, you know, I thought that there were a lot of great elements to that project. It was going to do a lot to reinvigorate the the streetscape on Queen Street. And, you know, and this is one of the things I tell people is like, wouldn't it be great if we could make Queen Street like Princess Street? Just have stuff like ground floor commercial and things that would really feed into the street life and have people walking. Right now, I just think that Queen Street is just ripe for redevelopment. But we got to get the redevelopment right. And so obviously, you know, when the, the, the LPAT, case went through and the ruling came down. Uh, there was a lot of positives in it. They said, you know, there are a lot, lot of, yep. lot of boxes are checked here. Definitely that whole area, the way I describe it is between the Leon center and princess street. There's that three or four blocks where there's not a whole lot going on. There's a lot of gravel, a lot of empty space, gravel a parking bit, lots. <laughs> My yeah. view, this is like prime, you know, prime location to do something really spectacular that would add to the to the downtown. And unfortunately, um, you know, it's taken some time to get that off and running. But the nice thing is that in the LPAT ruling, they said, you know what, taller buildings absolutely are going to make sense there. You just have to work a little bit more on the transitions and. And I understand what they're saying is they're basically saying, if you've got like a two-story building, 
you kind of need to work up to an 18-story building. Okay. So if you go too high too quickly, then it might it may not fit in. And so, you know what? So I accept that. And so ultimately, it's it's not back to the drawing board per se. I think what we're doing is we're we're, we're finding out as we go that the best thing to do is rather than always do this on a case by case basis, we're actually having this broader discussion, and and we're probably going to make some changes to our official plan once we consult with the community. And then we're basically going to say, okay, in this area of the downtown, you can go up to, and we'll specify, maybe it's 15 stories. And in this particular, you can go up to 18 stories. And in this area, you can only go up to five or six stories. And I think giving that kind of clarity, I think is really important. I think it's important for developers. I think it's important for community uh, members as well. And so if we can if we can get that clarity down, then I think we're gonna we're gonna make it somewhere. I think this is this is one of those things where it's the long game. So yeah, yeah, we're, exactly. we're in for the long game. Exactly. And and I understand people's point is you know what it's worth getting it right because it's going to be there for the next you know 50, 60, 70 yeah. years. So and, and well, st- sticking with El Pat, the, they they came down in favor of the innate appeal um, with the capital project. And can you tell us where that stands? Yeah. So that one's a little bit more complex. So so my understanding is that um, although the El Pat ruling again. Against it still stands. Um, there was an appeal um, based on concerns that there were some errors in the judgment, and that though that appeals to a divisional court. And so what the court has done is they have granted leave for appeal, which basically means we're not saying we're not saying that yes, we agree one way or the other, but we're gonna we're gonna grant the right to have a full hearing in a court case about whether there were in fact some errors of law in the original judgment turning the capital project down. Where that's gonna go, still hard to say because at the end of the day, they could have the court case and it's difficult to know which side will will win. Um, but it's certainly something that we're uh, we're watching closely. Uh, there is a question uh, from Matthew and said, is uh, involved in a, car, in a traffic accident on uh, on Johnson Street near Albert. Um, there's the, and there I think uh, having lived on Johnson Street, the speed is, uh, yeah. is a factor. Yeah. Um, so I'll ask, is there any uh, any enforcement, more enforcement that can be done, Johnson? Uh, Matthew asks, is, are there any plans to make Johnson a two way street? Well, I mean, everything is everything is open for consideration. I mean, we we're definitely looking at things that can make uh, make our downtown, but we'll make the whole city more pedestrian friendly in general. Uh, just recently, we instituted a couple of of new streetlights that are pedestrian streetlights. So one across Sir John A. Macdonald, like a, I know that that's not Johnson Street, but it's in that neighborhood yes, where yep. uh, you know. People trying to cut across four lanes of traffic. Well, you I know, noticed today Johnson and McDonnell, there's a stop. And now. Johnson and yeah. McDonnell. Yeah. So just up from there. And so I think that those sorts of pieces, I think, are helping to slow traffic down. The other thing that I will say is that, um, and it's funny because in my years in council, I've gotten a real education on this, is that often one of the things that slows people down is when you narrow the street. So it's those streets that are kind of wide, wide lanes yes. and straightaways you almost speed up without even realizing mm-hmm. it. And when the street narrows, you slow down automatically. You don't even really think twice about it. And so there might be things and, and additions we can make that will help to narrow the street at least. And that will help to just naturally slow people down. I mean, even when we put in the um, the, the, the barriers for the uh, bike lanes on Johnson Street, we noticed that people started to slow down a little bit because there's something there. And you yeah. just you just... Without even thinking, you're just kind of just just slow down a bit. And so there might be other things we can do. Maybe we can beautify the street or just something along those lines that, you know, we're still making it 
you know, reasonable for people to drive, but maybe to drive a little bit slower. Well, that's an excellent point. I've noticed that because of uh, what you've done in front of City Hall on Ontario Street, people seem to have slowed down. They do. You just naturally do it. There's just something psychological Mm -hmm. about it because I think you just, when something's closer to you, you just obviously, you don't want to hit it with your car. Um, And those are the sorts of things where you can, again, with Ontario Street, you can beautify the street, you can make it poor more pedestrian friendly, you naturally slow down the traffic, but you're also not creating unreasonable obstructions for people that do need to get, you know, to and from work. I'm going to go back to affordable housing. This is a question that comes from Dominic, mm-hmm. uh, 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 geared uh, to income housing is, yeah. is needed, yep. uh, but the wait lists are already long. Uh, what is the city going to do to address the influx of applicants once affordable housing units open? Huh. Well, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest, that the need is the need is huge. There's there's no question about that. So, this is this is my view on it. As a city, we're going to do everything that we can do, and so we're already making commitments that we're going to increase the number of of units with you know RGI, so rent geared to income, which is those uh, those units where you know whatever your income is, you you pay based on your. It's like your ability to pay. I also think that we need more more help. Uh, quite frankly, from the prov- from provincial government and yep. from the federal government as well. And so we're putting forward these projects. And part of my advocacy, and I, this is convenient because the federal election, I believe, is going to kick off tomorrow. One of the messages that I'm going to have uh, in the federal election and to our candidates is um, we, need, we need more federal investment in affordable housing. This is a huge priority for our community. And so the more investment we have, the more that we can do. And it's a it's a big need. I mean, not only as much as we want to add new apartments, one of the things we're grappling with is some of the apartments that were built back in the 1950s, right? They're in desperate mm-hmm. need of of renovation, and and so this is expensive, and you can't do all of that stuff on the property tax dollar. You really do need help from other levels of government where you have you know a larger revenue source. Well, the prime minister is going to call a federal election tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, are any do you could in your opinion are any of the parties that are going to be running? Uh, in, at the federal level this fall, are any of them talking about affordable housing? Well, I, I, substantively. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been comments made, but certainly well, that's part of my job is to actually press yeah, our I mean, local candidates a little bit. Yeah. I did that four years ago. I mean, you know, when we had the federal election, I, you know, was asked some pretty pointed questions about where they were at on the Third Crossing or Kingston Penitentiary. And so, you know, I think this one, I think affordable housing is probably going to be number one. And so I I personally look forward to, to talking to and hearing from all the candidates on that. And I hope that there, you know, will be that commitment to, to advocate. Ultimately, that that local advocacy piece is key because housing is an issue in many communities. And so obviously, you know, even if there are commitments, we also need that local push to say, okay, don't forget about Kingston. Don't forget about these medium-sized cities. Obviously, we want to see investment in large urban centers as well. But, you know, for for a city like ours, we need that investment as well. Uh, This summer, uh, uh, through a Freedom of Information uh, request, uh, documents were released by KEDCO from Mm -hmm. the years, I believe, 2010 to 2015. Uh, A lot of questions have been asked about uh, inappropriate expenditures, uh, expenses. Sure. I, I think I know the answer to this, having been a f- member of the Board of the Chamber of Commerce in the past, 100 years ago. Uh, I, you were on the board in those days. Sure. Were, were you aware of what was going on? So I mean, we're, we're, we're Not you. Were, were you and, and the other board members yeah. uh, aware that uh, there, there were some spending uh, issues with, uh, with management? Yeah. I was I was stunned. I was, frankly, I was appalled. Yeah. You know, I was just absolutely absolutely appalled. Um, in my view, that's totally, there was some really unacceptable 
expenses in my personal view. So at the time, um, the expenses for the for the director or for the CEO were approved by the the, the chair of the board, and so it didn't come to the the board itself. So no, yeah. no, it was something. So the board itself would have seen like larger project expenditures, and obviously we would vet them and we would talk. But you don't about go them. through visa receipts. But you and, never, yeah. yeah, we never <clears throat> yeah. saw that. Now, in, in in fairness, you know, looking back in hindsight, was that a problem? Yeah, yeah, it was. So, um, one thing that, uh, was very clear and certainly in a lot of conversations that I've had with, uh, the current board, uh, to make sure that that could never happen again. And that is absolutely, uh, not something that can happen now. So now the, uh, the current CEO, if she has a visa statement, it has to be reviewed, not just by one, but by two members of the board. Uh, anybody on their finance committee can have a look at those expenses and, you know, you can ask further questions. So I think the degree of transparency is far higher than it was. That doesn't necessarily mean there aren't opportunities for further uh, changes or so I'm certainly open to, to whatever those might be. But at the end of the day, people have to have confidence that their tax dollars are being used appropriately. And when I see examples like that, uh, honestly, uh, there's just, there's just, it's just unacceptable. Well, speaking of taxpayer dollars, uh, the, the school year has started. You're, you're teaching at RMC. <laughs> I am. Uh, the weekend of October 28th uh, will be homecoming at Queen's. And David asks, uh, what is Art of the City and the City Police doing to prepare uh, for homecoming? Mm -hmm. And are you anticipating uh, more issues this year? Well, you know, it's one of those things where I suppose the best answer I can give there is that I'm hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. And ultimately, I think that that means that uh, obviously, you know, we're going to be sitting down with uh, with police, and they're going to have a have a plan to to manage whatever may come. I mean, obviously, the fact that uh, that Queens does give uh, a, a significant contribution to the police budget every year. I mean, obviously, that's helpful for uh, events like this. But ultimately, I, I think there's also a piece about. You know, holding people, you know, responsible. Let's let's treat everybody like adults here. Let's treat everybody the same way. And so, you know, uh, my resident, my message to students is the same as to residents: is that you know what, you have a great time in our city, a great time in our community, but be respectful. Yeah, be respectful of our bylaws. And you know what, that's one of the things with the university district safety initiative is that um, you know if people choose not to abide by those bylaws, then they they have to go to court here in Kingston in person. And I can tell you from the feedback we got over the last year that that can be really effective because you're actually having to stand in front of a, a person representing the community. And you know what? There's it, That's an uncomfortable situation. Sure. And it really starts to make people think about, okay, maybe I need to be more careful. Uh, you know, I'm going to have a good time with my friends, but you know, let's, let's be careful about how, how we, we use alcohol. And, uh, at the end of the day, the other thing is it, it allows for something called a prohibition order, which basically means that the, the judge or the JP can basically say, okay, I'm going to give you a penalty this time. You do ever do this again, you're going to get a much higher penalty. And so that's something that we were never able to do before, never able to have those conversations. And so at the end of the day, you know, what success looks like for me is that people can have a good time for sure. Um, but respect the bylaws, uh, respect uh, the rules that we have in the community. And we have a new administration, new principal at Queens. Yep. Uh, are, 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 is the, are you, are you uh, satisfied that the principal is up to speed on, on these issues, on homecoming and St. Patrick's day on, on these types of issues? I am. I am. We've actually had some good conversations already and, uh, he's not new to Queens. He was actually on the senior administration team back, 
probably about 10 years ago when things are probably at their worst. So I think that he has seen, uh, he's familiar with the problem, but he's also seen, I think, the progress that's been made and certainly has been very supportive of some of the changes and that we've, we've made. And ultimately, this can't just be the city. This has to be the city and Queens both responding, both working together. And so Queens is, is, has rolled out a, you know, a, a non-academic misconduct piece, which to say that, you know what, if, if you're going to act in a, uh, in a disrespectful way, yes. then, then you're also going to have to have a conversation with uh, people on campus and, and, and there can be privileges that can be removed. So, so I think there's opportunity for us to work together on this. Again, this is, this is a joint issue. Um, I, I'm a big, big fan of what the university brings. I'm a big fan of students and the energy and the passion they bring. And quite frankly, I hear regularly about the frustration that they have is that sometimes it's a few, the actions of a few yes, exactly. that then paint all of them with the same brush. And that's not fair either. And in so. the past, it's been kids from out of town too. It hasn't always been kids from Queens. Absolutely. It's been, uh, you know, cause this has been a, almost like a, a homecoming tourism spot for, for sure. Kids from other schools. For sure. And you know what, the, the, the thing that I will give credit to is that I think there's been a lot of thought and effort about how do we, how do we change the way we're doing things? And so to address that, one of the things that they're doing this fall is they're trying to make all the homecomings happen on the same weekend. I mean, there's like two weekends. And the reason why you're doing that is you're trying to discourage some of that party tourism, yes. right? Where you're basically shopping around from homecoming to homecoming, right? Is basically <clears throat> putting them all on the same weekend or as best you can on two weekends. And so hopefully that will have, uh, have an impact as well. Uh, what I will say is that I feel that at least we're on the we're on the right trend. We've we've seen, you know, it's not to say that there aren't still issues that we're going to have to deal with, but it seems to be we're, we're making progress. I think. Uh, I talked to some of my other colleagues around the province, and their their issues are getting worse. So so I think that we're at least on the right trajectory. But you know, it's one of those things that we're I think we're always going to have to work on. Norman Rogers Airport was uh, was uh, redone, was re renovated, and and opened this summer. Uh, are there plans for the city to attract a second carrier into Kingston? One hundred percent. And what? How can you tell us <laughs> what the where where we stand with one hundred percent? In fact, uh, I'd say that 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 work started uh, long before we even had the official grand opening of the new airport. So, uh, it's th this is something. It's very much like a, attracting a any other business to the community, you really got to get out there and make your case and put the sales pitch forward. But what I will say is, and it makes it a lot easier when you can actually bring them and show them the space. Sure. And this is something that I've learned because airlines are pitched by other communities all the time. And one of the things that they say is that, okay, well, they, some people can talk a big game, but sometimes the airlines aren't really sure you're actually going to follow through and actually expand those uh, those facilities and actually make it make it viable for us. So for us to be able to say, no, we're not just talking about this. We've done it. Here are the pictures. Here's the space where you can go. Um, that that really adds a lot to our credibility. And quite frankly, yes, I, I'll be straight up. There's interest. Um, do I have a firm commitment to announce here tonight? No, I don't. Um, but that's one of the things that is on on our docket. We've got a great sen uh, team of senior people, and we're going to continue to work on it. It would really just time for one more question, I guess. You know, the uh, local government, it's about roads. And, and with a couple of our questions I'm reading to hear uh, uh, saying, you know, where do we stand with, with repairing the roads? And how do you prioritize uh, which, which streets get fixed first? That is an amazing question. So, uh, so I will tell you right now, there's no question. So roads is, are one of our priorities. So as much as we were talking a lot about housing tonight, roads is absolutely one of them as well. And so one of the things we're going to be doing this fall 
<clears throat> it'll be uh, probably in November. So we're going to be rolling out a three-year budget for the city. And it's a capital budget, which will basically lay out all of the investments we intend to be able to make over the next three years. And we've made it a priority. So we're going to get to work. There's going to be lots of work that's going to be done. Are we going to be able to fix every road in the city in the next few years? Probably not. This is a big ship to, to turn. And so we're going to have to make those investments. But, um, but to your point about prioritizing, I think ultimately you have to look at a number of things and we have you know, our, our engineering team that will sit down and they'll grade the condition of the road. They'll look at how many, uh, how many cars use the road. They'll look at what other, are there other infrastructure improvements that we already have to make? Cause one of the things that always drives people nuts is if you dig up the road and then you have to dig up the road a couple of years later, cause you have to replace the, the pipe. So, so these yeah. are some of the things yeah, that yeah. we look at ultimately what I would like to see. So I, I haven't seen the final plan. So, but one of the things that I've talked to staff is it's important that we can make improvements in all areas of the city in every single district so that people don't feel that one area of the city has been has been left out. The whole city is important. Uh, and ultimately, uh, I think once you can do that, you want to make the the improvements that we think will have the highest impact first. So that's the goal. Uh, but ultimately, when we can get more funding, so some, some of the funding we got from the federal government earlier, that helps because then we can put more of that money towards some of our our, uh, our other projects, and then that can free up city dollars for, for example, investment in more roads. So that's really the goal. You've got the uh, first uh, city council meeting of the fall coming up on, on the 13th. And we actually had the first one last Tuesday. Well, last Tuesday? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a sports guy. But, um, <laughs> what, it, it's, well, I'm, so the, for the upcoming meeting, uh, sure. I, what, is there any, are there any highlights on the agenda that, uh, that pique your interest? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's going to be a, a couple of things that are uh, that are worth worth discussing. One, we're going to be talking about the the plan for Bell Park. So this has right. been something that's been in the works for a while, and so so to have a have a plan which I think will have a nice balance between some some great new sports facilities, but also a lot of a lot of passive park space that I think will fit really well into our to our goal of of, of uh, beautifying the waterfront and and having more trails and walking spaces for people. I think that that'll be great. Uh, we're also going to be talking a lot about recycling, and there's a big plan that's moving rolling out from the province about making producers fully responsible for the plastics that they generate. And I think that this could be this is going to have big effects for us as a community. It's going to help to take some of the costs away from the city, and so that's going to be funds that again maybe we can put into more roads or housing or or whatever else that might look like. Well, that's great. Well, so, Mayor Patterson, thank you very much for coming in tonight and this evening, and we look forward to having you back next month. Sounds great. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian.